Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome listeners to episode 135 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast with too much talking to pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton and I'm joined this week uh, by Lewis Kirkham who's, you know, at, at his house and I'm not at my house so the, the quality's going to be good. Rosie's coming down the stairs and see what's going on. Um, it's all a little bit sort of hapdash and all thrown together but we wanted to get a podcast out to you guys. So Lewis, how are you going? Good, Robbie. Good, mate. We are we are long distance today, aren't we, mate? You're. Uh, I've got a beautiful view of yours. You've got some gum trees in the background. We've got a sunny sunny sky over your way, um, and I'm just uh, I'm in the study at home. So um, yes, lo- lovely to see you out and about, mate. Having a nice little little uh, little break from it all. Well, I tried to um, I tried to get you the, uh, the 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 great background view where usually when we're mucking around on Zoom and you uh yeah you put on all your uh yeah your <laughs> your fancy background things when you can get the audio working of course um and I thought I'd actually have a, a real one there of the uh the, the backdrop of the inlet at uh, uh at Inverloch but unfortunately the wind got pretty bad and I don't have my normal microphone and stuff so I'm just doing it through my headphone yeah. speakers so so yeah apologies for uh, bad internet connections and for uh, you know windy windy audio but you know that's that's all part of the fun it was, it was um, a bit weird. it's a bit windy on the prow of the ship there mate uh doing your uh doing your titanic style my heart know. will go up <laughs> yes absolutely rose rose <laughs> move over on the floor, rose there's room enough for you and oh. leonardo what are you doing when you said rose is coming down the stairs i didn't realize that's what you meant mate but it was oh, Rosie. Oh, you, you thought you thought it was Kate Winslet. Yes, it was Kate was Winslet coming down, just swinging yeah. down the. <laughs> Very good, mate. Well, uh, this week I um, had an interesting one. This week I had a um, uh, a dog come in uh, fairly urgently. He was hit by a car, which unfortunately, well, we don't see it that much these days. I guess people keep their dogs on leashes. It seems to be a thankfully a. a dying thing that we see is a horrible word to use that's not not what i meant but but yeah something we don't something we don't see as much so it was i mean the dog was fine and everything but the interesting thing was is um i was was sort of looking at the dog had a sore leg and we're examining and i'm thinking oh you know it's a little puppy you know i think it's pretty sore we might do some x-rays check it out and i was sort of talking to the owner and i said oh yeah the car hit me as well I was like, what? Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, my goodness. And yeah, she said, yeah, came around the corner and uh, whacked her on the elbow. And yeah. so she had a big stinger on the elbow, very, very sore. And, and apparently she didn't even notice the dog had been hit because she got hit and I suppose spun around a bit. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and someone walking past said, oh, actually, look at your dog. Your dog's uh, limping on the back leg. And she's like, oh, gosh. So interesting. I've never had that before where the, the owner and the dog have got hit and they both sort of come in. Um, come into the clinic together. So luckily, I sort yeah. of told the owner, you know, you're right. Yep, yep. She, she was, she seemed fine. She's quite rattled, of course, as you'd expect. Oh, um, and yeah. and then we, we took some X-rays of the dog, and uh, um, and we had to give it a little bit of sedation because it was quite sore. And um, it's interesting when you take X-rays of puppies. For the listeners that don't know is it's very hard to um to interpret X-rays of young puppies. They um, it's almost like you've you've just got a bag of sort of lots of uh, 
remember the game's Knuckles. I don't know if you played Knuckles. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, so yeah, like yep. you got a like you got a bag of Knuckles and you're taking an X-ray of it, and there's just gaps between all the bones, which is where the, of all the, the growth plates where the yeah. puppies grow from. That's where the bones grow from is the growth plate. So so you put it up and you. you to the inexperienced eye, but even the experienced eye, like, is that a fracture? No, I think that's the growth plate. Now, is that a fracture? No, I think that's a growth plate. So it's a lot of comparison. We're comparing one side to the other. And uh, and yes. I think, yeah, we got quite a few views in the end because we thought, oh, maybe that's one there. And <laughs> you get another view. And <laughs> and uh, no, but the good news was the dog did not have a fracture. And um, we did send off the x-rays to a specialist to have a bit of a look at. And he agreed with us that all looked fine. So all's well that ends well. And um. And I saw the dog a few days later. It had a bit of a graze just sort of above its eye as well. Um, so I just wanted to have it back in to check in a few days' time and came back in and the owner came in and she seemed quite, quite a little bit more relaxed this time. But she had a, geez, she had a big bruise on her arm. I was like, crikey. Is that, Who's that the dog really, or the owner? The owner, big bruise the on owner's her elbow. Dog. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah gee, incredible. Because um, the, the hard thing with um, and the reason why you've got to be careful with growth plates is because that's a that's actually the weak spot in the bone because it's um, – it's, it's, it's just cartilage. Like we've spoken about um, growth plates and things before on the pod about how um, it's the, the lengthening of the bone happens by cartilage being laid down and then that cartilage being calcified until then they reach their adult size. And then the whole thing just calcifies and the growth plate closes over. But um, it is actually common that you can get what's called Salter Harris fractures through those growth plates. Like that's what Ruben had when he um, kicked the floor, when he was um, trying to kick his indoor footy and he broke his, uh, broke his toe. He, he had a Salter Harris fracture of one of his uh, growth plates in his big toe. So, and the, the reason why then that's an issue is if you get a fracture or a compression at one side or the, that can actually stop growing on that one side and then it can curl around. Yeah. You know, we've got a, a dog that had a, um, a fractured radius when she was a, when she was a puppy, um, a, a Kelpie. And so her ulna kept growing. And so it's ended up that she's got this big curly, 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 curly foot. So, um, yeah, but, so uh, uh, yeah. certainly a risk with that dog is that, yeah, that, that we have, you know, compressed or injured one of the growth plates, but that's not something we can generally easily see on, on x-ray, especially if it's mild. So I sort of you know, mentioned the owner, look, I think we're going to be okay, but we'll just keep an eye on it and you know, yeah. time will tell really. I can't do anything about it. So, yeah. hundred percent. I mean, usually it's the thing of, um, you know, you most dogs that have been hit by a car, if you treat them with anti, if you can't see an obvious fracture, you treat them with anti-inflammatories and they get better. They are better. Um, and what, what sort of dog was it? A uh, little Maltese cross sort of thing, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah, small dog. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Fr- front or back leg that it, that it was sore. Back on. leg. Yeah. Back, back leg. leg. Yeah. So, yeah. so at least they tend to not have too much in the way of bowing with their back legs. Like they can often get sort of funky, funky front legs anyway, can't they? So it can mm. be, you know, trying to, trying to pick things can be a little bit difficult, but um, sometimes you can re x-ray when they get older and see whether or not you are getting sort of, you know, a, a change in the growth plates. But again, there's not much you're going to be able to do about it. So yeah, just, be just wait and see. Yeah. yeah. 55 kilogram great Dane, you'd be more concerned, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, very lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Now, as, as you're, as you're alluding to before, mate, I'm out here in the, um, in the, in the sunny, wonderful uh, outdoors out, out in rural, rural and regional Victoria. Um, and, uh, the, we got out of the car yesterday, um, after coming back from, um, going and buying some ice cream and, uh, we heard the, uh, up in the trees, we heard this <laughs> coming out of the trees and we thought, 
goodness me, that sounds like a koala. So we uh, went hunting around to try and see the koala, and, and there, there we is. We could, we could see Fantastic. him um, uh, up in the tree. We could see his very little bottom um, hanging out of the tree, and uh, oh. you know, Re- Reuben being Reuben, he couldn't see it. So, um, so <laughs> we, we jumped the fence into the next door neighbor's place and went around and had a look. And um, and that was then when uh, you know, it might, it might be on, uh, I might be on spring break, mate, but you can't switch the brain off. Um, I've looked up and thought. Hang on, he's got puffy red eyes. Oh. He looks like he's got. Uh, he looks like he's got a little bit of goo coming out. He says, "I think his koala's got conjunctivitis. I think his. I think this koala's got chlamydia." Oh, gee so, whiz! So, so I, uh, I jumped on the phone and started trying to uh, get a hold of a, a local wildlife person to say, "Look, you know, I'm at my mother and father-in-law's place, and I think uh, I think I've seen a koala with chlamydia." And they go, "Oh, well, you know, sometimes they just look." I got. Uh, I had to. I had to pull out the. Um, <laughs> I'm a vet card. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Oh, where do you practice? I go, look, I'm not from here. I'm a city slicker. I'm just down here, you know. I'm not going to be able to do anything to help the koala, but I've just seen it and thought, you know, maybe you want to, you know, if, if you can get it to somewhere to get some doxycycline into it or something like that and try and help it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, because it was a Saturday night, so we're recording this on a Sunday morning because it was a Saturday night. She's going, oh, I've actually got some friends around. I've actually just started to have some drinks, so I won't be able to come and get it now. But, um, you know, if, if he comes down out of the tree... Can you can you see if you can like chuck a blanket over him and and just put some uh, put some uh, eucalyptus leaves under there for him or maybe maybe a washing basket or something like that. We'll come and get him tomorrow. That you know what I might just see if he's in the same tree again tomorrow. How about that? You know, we might, <laughs> if I, he comes down from the tree, right? <laughs> if he comes down from the tree, then maybe is it, you know what? Maybe we'll just keep an eye on this fella and uh, yeah, we'll oh. sort something out from there. But yeah. So anyway, yeah, chlamydia. Yeah. Wow. Is he gone? Is he there? Is he gone now? You don't know. He, she? I'll be honest with you. I only, I only got out of bed just before we started right. recording. So <laughs> Great story, mate. Great story. Make something up. But, he's, gone. But, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's, he's gone. He's gone. He's, he's, he's just, he's gone. I put a little, a little uh, doxycycline lick up there just for him to, you know, just, just embedded, you know, I've sort of encrusted some eucalyptus leaves in doxycycline paste I've used for cats when they get chlamydia. And so hopefully I'll just have a nice little chew on that and that'll, and that'll sort him out. Or well, you but, could um, share, yeah. you could share your script, mate, I suppose. The other thing. Oh, for, oh, for, yeah, possibly. Thank you very much. You know, <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry resolved, thank you very much. Yeah. Are we recording? Can't get that again. Can you? Can't get yeah, it twice. Oh, no, no. Hopefully, hopefully the audio just dropped out there. But um, <laughs> yeah, cause, do you, do you ever get a little bit, um, a little bit jumpy at this time of the year? Like, you know, sort of around November, late October, start of November time. Well, as far as cause Christmas is coming, you mean, or what, what are you talking about? Well, so, you know, again, as a story of, uh, you know, I'm lo- looking for content on a Sunday morning. So I had a, um, a, a fevered, fevered sleep this morning, Lewis. I, um, I, I woke up, um, you know, all in a tither dreaming about, and this is a dream that I often have around November that I, I wake up and that I'm either back at high school or back at uni Ooh. and that I haven't been studying for my exams and that I'm, you know, Oh, I haven't been doing my English exams. I don't know what book I'm supposed to have been studying. I, I haven't been studying chemistry or, and, and, and the, the thing is, is in my dreams, Lewis, I am still a vet right? I'm still a vet, but it's like I've had to go back to uni and that I haven't been studying these exams. And I was like, no, it's fine. Even if I fail these exams, I'm still going to be a vet. It's okay. They can't take that away from me. (laughs) And I've got to wake up, wake up and just go, mate, you know, it's, these are just normal 
dreams. It's not, there's nothing wrong. It's you're a vet. No one's going to take that away from you. But then once I fell back to sleep again, then I had another dream because I was looking at um, uh, these cases of people. Again, I shouldn't be looking at the internet um, while I'm on holiday. And someone was posting these x-rays of going, um, oh, yeah, does anyone think that this could be a gastric foreign body in this? Um, so a foreign body in the dog's stomach. And I was looking at it going, oh, geez, it's right around the liver. I mean, and I was going to write, oh, look, I think you should you know, do, uh, do some blood tests and some, extra, uh, some ultrasounds just to see if it's the gallbladder and see whether or not this dog's got, because it's not vomiting. And I thought, well, maybe it could be a big, a big gallbladder doing something. And so then the dream after my um, failing the English exam dream was um, me being uh, uh, at work. There's a dog on the, on the surgical table opened up. I've got um, our, our traveling uh, specialist in there, but he's overlooking at some x-rays and it just happens that I've got some gloves on, but they're gloves that aren't sterile. Oh. And I look down and I just go, I've got gloves on. I'm just going to reach into side the dog's abdomen. I go, Oh yeah, look, it is, a, it is the dog's gallbladder. Maybe we just got to take the gallbladder out. Mm-hmm. And they're going, oh, hang on, I've broken sterility. Oh no, what do I do? Do I tell someone? Do I not tell someone? And then again, then you look and go, idiot, you're dreaming. Just wake up, relax. You know, you've got one day left of holiday. Stop dreaming about, about exams. Stop dreaming about things. Anyway, so. Wow. It is, I, it's certainly always, always it's around the middle of November. Post-traumatic stress, mate, I reckon. You know, you had, you know, we do, you know, I don't know. We do, what is it, nine or ten years of having exams, you know, at this time of year. It's uh, it's just something that I think oh, gets ingrained from, from there. year 12 through, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Not, well, even before year 12. Years, yeah, yeah. Well, even before then, yeah, I reckon exams yeah, yeah, for me started know, yeah. year 10, you know, year nine, year 10, you started exams, you know, at school. So um, yeah, certainly c- certainly yeah, a stressful good. time, mate. It's ingrained for a long time. And then, you know, you did post-grad, you know, studies. I did post-grad studies. So, look, it's uh, I can certainly yes. appreciate that there now. But it's actually interesting you mentioned that because in the little paper today is uh, – you wouldn't have read this because you've yeah. just rolled out of bed. But um, but there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a middle page spread – uh, about uh, and the title is. Oh, hang on! If it's in the little paper, is this is this is this PG? If it's in the, if oh, it's a middle page yeah. spread in the little paper, is this yeah, uh, pa- page three? Yeah. Page three. Yeah, pa- no. Okay, yeah, uh, excellent. <laughs> the old page three. Uh, it's uh, the article is. It still pays to be a male. Now this. Uh, oh. I'll, yeah, so it's about it's about salaries and jobs and obviously the the gender gap and things. But interestingly, the first thing they talk about is the best graduate salaries. List of best graduate salaries. Okay. Now, now there's uh oh there'd be twenty, uh twenty odd uh twenty odd uh um, jobs, uh careers professions listed here. What do you reckon's what do you reckon's number one, mate? We're both veterinary, you know, based. What do you reckon number uh, one best graduate salary? Um, architects. Uh no no no, no? dentistry. Dentistry. Oh, dentistry. Mates dentistry. Dentist. Yep. Yep. Mates dentistry. Yeah. 20, 20 on the list. You know, architecture, not, not there. Not, uh, not sure. Oh, yep. Yeah. It is. It's about number 10 or so halfway along. Oh, mid, so, middle, middle ground. That's yep, where I liked middle, it. That's, yep. that's my wheelhouse. Number two, any thoughts? Dentistry, something similar. Medicine. 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 Very good, mate. Very yes. good. Yep. So we should be, yep. Uh, if we go through, yep. Teacher, social worker, engineering, Hang on, where's vet? Health support, rehab, law, blah, uh, science and maths, psychology. Oh, we're getting low down. Uh, oh, 19th, veterinary science. Oh, there we go. Number there 19. We go. Number 19, 57,800 average starting salary. Just above a pharmacist, 49,600. So oh, wow. it says, 
Pharmacists are paid the lowest starting salary of 49,600, 49, which is just 25% above Australia's minimum wage because they are required to finish a mandatory paid internship the year after they finish university. So first year they're paid 49,600, second year 120,000 right. probably. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, so that, yeah, 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 pro- pro- probably a lot more than the a lot yeah, more than the veterinaries um yeah, yeah, 60,000 yeah. that go that'll go up after the first year. Yeah, that's right. Oh, exactly. 2% from 57,800 bring yeah. them to 58,000. Uh veterinarians are also lowly paid. <laughs> Earning just fifty seven thousand eight hundred in their first job, far less than the average Australian wage of ninety thousand. Even though veterinary degree is one of the most difficult and competitive courses you can study at university. So, for anyone who thinks, and we've said this before on the podcast, that we're out there, you know, you know, at our beautiful beach houses with the lovely view and driving our Maseratis around, it's yeah. just not true, is it, mate? No, 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 no. We um. Uh, and and the, the difficult part for that is too is that I think for a lot of um, clients is that they see the costs that um, that it costs to go to the vet and then the inference there is that well you must be making a whole lot yeah. of money and it's like well uh, unfortunately veterinary um, to, to run a vet practice it's a pretty capitally intensive mm. um, uh, job and and not only that but it's a job that can't be run just by yourself you know you need support staff too so the overheads are immense and because you're not getting any sort of um, yeah I mean we're not crying poor but you know no. it is it is a pretty capitally intense um yeah. intense business so well in comparison yeah. if you look at a dentist or someone like that you know they've got their chair they've got a nurse and, and a bit of a clinic um and you know i don't know you go to your dentist if you get an uh endodont yeah you go to your dentist get a, a filling or a cap done or something you're probably looking at i don't know i don't know what it would be five eight five six seven eight hundred dollars something oh, like oh, that even the- yeah, yeah. Even more, you reckon, or less? No, no, less, less. less yeah, less when I've yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing yeah. with dentists, though, is that they're so their dentist chair um, and their dentist equipment and, and the lights and all that sort of stuff, that's going to get used for 10 hours every day. Mm. Whereas in the in the vet side of things, we go and buy a dental machine and we buy an anesthetic machine and things like that. Well, that's only getting used maybe three times a day. So, yeah. and if the, if the outlay is going to cost you the same, then unfortunately the, you know, it's going to cost you more in order to run that piece of machinery because yeah. Yeah, you, you've got to, you've got to pay it off. So yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, there, there's lots more machinery we have as well. And I mean, we have a lot of staff, uh, staffing and medications and things in stock that you have to have on the, on the shelf as well. But coming back to the original article, yes. it still pays to be a male. So uh, this, so they, they're talking about the male female difference in, mm. in, uh, uh, must be average salaries, I think. So looking, going down the list, I mean, you know, they've got a list here, you know, science and math, mathematics, males get paid 63,400, females get paid 59,900. So there's a three and a half thousand difference in salary males yeah. to females, you know, which is 5%. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's uh, you know, that, that's a big discrepancy. It's um, it's not, not good, obviously. Um, you know, it goes through all the you know, health, health services and support males, females difference of 2,500 medicine. It's pretty similar. They're about $400 between the two of them. Uh, pharmacy. There's no difference. Uh, dentistry. There's a bit of a difference. Veterinary science. So for yes. each, each one, so for medicine, they've said, you know, 73,400 for a male, female, 73,400 difference. For veterinary science, they've got female 55,000. That's fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Under the male category, they've got NA. 
We don't exist. There's, there's, no, there's none of us left. There's, we don't, we don't exist. There, there, there's not enough of us to, to, to form a statistical analysis, Lewis. We, we're a dying breed, mate. The male vet. Ah, we're out of there. My goodness. How's that? Gee, we did, dinosaurs we are, mate. We are dinosaurs. Oh. Well, we knew that. We already knew that. But gee, yeah. when it comes to this study, we don't even exist. It's incredible. My goodness. My there's goodness. No, and there's no little star there to tell me what NA means. We didn't have enough to the sample or, or we rang all the all the male vets and they were too busy on their holiday in Inverloch. So we couldn't, uh, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't catch Good, up goodness. with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not didn't accessible. Have reception. Didn't have reception, oh but or something like that. But no, it's just NA. It's all we get. That's it all. That's all. Oh my goodness! Incredible. How about that? You eh? know what, Lewis? That, that 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 sort of that sort of a study makes me incredibly stressed. And you know what I need when I get stressed? Uh, ooh, uh a milk derivative, perhaps. A milk derivative, zilkine, zilkine from our friends at Vet Kinol. Yes. Uh, alpha cazozapine comes in all sorts of different sizes. Um, I was, I was, I was going to lead into that from um, after my uh, my my exam fever dreams, but you know that oh, was. Oh, sorry, uh, mate. Yeah, we, we, yep. we, 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 we can bring it back. We yep. can bring it back. Um, oh, so uh, you know, a yep. great, great, a yep. great mild anxiety relieving medication. So uh, you know, good for uh, very few side effects. Great for many, many, many different applications. So if you think your dog or cat could be stressed, have a chat. About Zilkeen. Definitely. I had a cat, yeah, uh, a cat this week. The owner's finally going away. They're going on a holiday for three weeks over Christmas and putting the cat into a cattery. And they were sort of like, is there anything? You know, I'm just really worried. I've been home for so long with the cat. Finally, we, we, you know, I'm going away. You know, cat, and first time being in a cattery, I said, yep, I've got just the product for you. So we started. Just the thing you, for you. Just, it's right. You got a bit quiet there, mate. Um, the sound's going to yep. be quiet. Okay. Can you hear me yeah. now? That's better. Yep. So, um, and uh, so yeah, so we put it on on Zilkeen for for the whole time. It's going to be at the cattery just to just you know, just enough, hopefully, just to keep it calm and comfortable with it with the change while the, while the owner goes away. So yep, very good. And also, um, you know, if uh, big thank you to Delicate Care, also a great Australian made, Australian owned pet food for your your dog and cat. Uh, they've got some great range of food. They've got uh, some skin and stomach food, uh, mobility support, weight management. Um, and, and they've also got the new cat dental one that's, uh, that is Ooh. out there now. So do, do they have so, a, do they have a, do they have a eucalyptus diet for koalas, Lewis? Because I might be able to temper koala down out of the tree and try and get him into the washing basket. Well, that's a good point. They do have a, they do have a kangaroo and the cut duck formulation. So you think oh, you might be a koala go. one, a koala, you know, it'd be a tough sell though. I think a koala and eucalyptus diet, wouldn't it? It'd be it'd, that might be good for trying to get uh, like sticky stuff off your uh, you know <laughs> off your counters and things like that. Uh, I think yes. eucalyptus works well for that. Oh, it's great for fleas. Getting rid of fleas on dogs, isn't it? Fantastic oh, eucalyptus oil, especially when you squeeze some garlic in with it as well. Garlic, yeah. garlic, and eucalyptus, perfect. Perfect. We talked about that last week, didn't we? And, <laughs> and also, big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Uh, we love you guys. It means we can do Zoom long distance like we're doing today. So thank you very much. If you want to support us on Patreon, uh, we do have – there's a, quite a bit of content up there still. Uh, we At some stage, we'll get around to adding a bit more just for our Patreon listeners. But there is a bit of a fair bit of back catalogue there that if for as little as 2 bucks a month, those people who are Patreon supporters know how good it is. So go and check it out. Yes, thank you very much. We appreciate your help, guys. And uh, yeah, you know, or, or go and give us a review. 
um, on, on iTunes. Um, refer us to a friend. Send through a link. You know, you can uh, most of the time with the episode that you're listening to, you can just uh, go share and then you can shoot the link through to a friend that you think might um, find our particular version of um, pet and animal related babble somewhat, you know, entertaining, possibly even informative. But, you know, anyway, should Please, you feel... Uh, should, yeah, sorry, mate. Go on. Yeah, so this was. Uh, oh, I'm going to move on to some vets. Back on to vet stuff. This um, this is an article I saw in the journal, the AVMA journal, American Veterinary Medical Association. It must be journal. Uh, evaluations of associations between owner presence and indicators of fear in dogs during routine veterinary examinations. So I think this came out of the fact that we're not allowing owners, or we're not allowing owners at our clinic. Um, or a lot of clinics in America not allowing owners into the clinic with their pets because mm. of COVID. Um, so they look to evaluate the influence of owner presence on behavioural and physiological indicators of fear in dogs during routine physical examinations. So they looked at 32 client-owned dogs, which, I mean, that's not a huge number, but it's a, but it's a good start. Um, and the dogs underwent a video-recorded standardised examination consisting of examination of the head, Lymph node palpation, so feeling all around for lymph nodes. Body palpation, so feeling the abdomen, feeling all over the body. Auxiliary temperature measurement, so that's measurement under the Ooh. armpit. How about that? Houses. Yeah. yeah. You do that a lot, mate? Oh, you know, usually, usually to the kids because I can't get Reuben to close his mouth long enough to, uh, <laughs> to do that, you know, to, to do yeah. it in the mouth. Yeah, I think, I think there's a new product coming out. I think a guy wanted to send us a uh, – send us a – a sample of his of his under armpit temperature measurement device for cats and dogs, but then he realised we're in Australia, and I think the postage just did him in. So, watch this space. Maybe we might get one, and then we can uh, then we can tell everyone about it. Uh, assess the heart rate and the breathing rate. So, with the owner, with or without the owner present in a randomised controlled study. Behaviours reported to be indicative of fear include, and we've talked about a lot of these, reduced posture, so trying to make themselves as small as possible, avoidance, so moving away, obviously, escaping, yeah, obvious, running out of the room, I'm gone, jumping yeah. off the table. Jumping the snagglepuss the table. effect. Lip licking, body shaking, so that's a really common one. I, you know, We've talked about this before, but often after an examination on the table, you put the dog on the ground, they have a good shake, like they're getting all the water off their fur. That's, that's, I call that an, that's an anxiety shake. It's a shake it off. You know, Everything before that was anxious and now I'm shaking off. Yawning and vocalizing were assessed during each phase and uh, heart rate, breathing rate were assessed um, by the relevant investigator. Um, owner presence and sex and age of dogs are investigated for associations with behavioral signs of fear, behavior or physiological measurements are compared between the groups, the owner present group versus the owner absent group. So the results, the dogs in the owner present group. So when the owners with the dog, they had lower rate of vocalization. So lower amount of, of yowling or barking or um, making noise, lower um, underarm temperature. And a high, high rate of yawning. So yawning is a very subtle indicator of stress than the dogs in the owner absent group. Female dogs in the owner absent group had a higher heart rate than females and males in the owner present group. And males in the owner absent group and the rate of lip licking decreases age increased in the owner present group. That's really confusing. I can't get my head around that. So that's saying that uh, lip licking, the older they got, the more they lip lick when the owners were present. Well, that's interesting. 
I guess it might, mm. might be a it might be a habitual. Uh, they've been to the vet so many times; they now know what yeah. to expect, and that things perhaps yes. not always the best things happen at the vet clinic. Um, the presence of reduced body posture and rates of lip licking, avoidance behaviour, and escape behaviour were associated with examination phase. Probably we should have researched this a little bit more because I'm just getting a bit stuck mm. with the wording here. Mm. So anyway, what we're trying to say is, I think their main conclusion. Results suggest that when practical, owners should be encouraged to remain with their dog during routine veterinary examinations. So there you go. Excellent. However, however, we could do a little bit more investigation. Good point. Yes. Yeah. I could do a and, bit more reading as well. And, and, and COVID is always going to get in the way of that. But it's been a very interesting because, you know, there's times where, you know, sometimes people don't like to be in the uh, consultation room with their, with their pets because they, um, you know, they don't like needles. They don't like going to the doctors, things like that. Um, and so I guess it's a, it's a matter of, you know, looking for the signs in those pets that even if, you're, if they're not with the owners, to go, oh, hang on, if this animal's still anxious, well, then what else can we do to try and help to reduce the, the animal's anxiety as well? And so, you know, we've talking in, spoken in the past about talking, um, spoken in the past about using things like Zilkeen or Trazodone, Gabapentin, those sorts of things to try and help to relieve the, um, the situational anxiety that those animals have to try and make the, the experience for everyone more, more positive. Yeah, I reckon, you know, certainly when I first graduated, if we had to do any procedure, take bloods, uh, you know, I was certainly, I remember being taught that the, uh, dogs are always, you know, dogs and cats are much better behaved without their owners present. You know, you take them out the back mm. and, 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 uh, and you do the procedures out the back. Whereas nowadays I try and do as much as I can in the consult room with the owners present, even to the point of, you know, if it's a, if it's a dog that, uh, or a cat that I feel the owner can hold, I'm more than happy for them to hold the head while I take some bloods or, um, you know, I really, really think it does make a bit of a difference. Although I, know, I do feel that, uh, with the COVID situation, sometimes some, uh, some of the younger puppies, um, seem to be, uh, to have been a little bit better without the owner present. Some of the younger puppies yeah. is, is just my, my interpretation. I'm not sure what that is, but certainly my preference is, yeah, having, having owners there as much as possible. Um, and, and I'll true do as many procedures as long as you, I always say to the owner, like you said, are you comfortable with needles? Are you okay with blood? You know, I don't want to have to treat two species here, you know, one, one, yeah. one's enough. <laughs> I don't want a second one on the floor that I have to treat. So with the owner fainting. So um, yeah, but good, good little study, good little, just, just uh, taster there to see, look, maybe, yeah, maybe there's, there is some science to what we think happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. What do you got, mate? You got, uh, you got anything uh, so this week? I, I yeah, I, I watched a, uh, a documentary this morning actually um, on, uh, on on Elizabethan collars um, on the ABC. So um, what what happened? There was a um, it was like a, I mean like it wasn't a, an in depth one. It was more just a, um, a almost like a case study of um, a, a dog that had a uh, an obsessive compulsive habit, and so oh, the owner sorry, trying mate. to use. I thought yep. you're on the hist- I thought you're on the History Channel there. Sorry, you're confusing me. You're right. I, you, you no, 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 not, not the, not, not Queen Elizabeth or you know, sort of the, you know, the, the Tudors style. No, this I is uh, yeah, the, the. I didn't think that was your wheelhouse, mate. So, so you're talking about the Cone of Shame. The Cone of Shame, and, and interestingly, it was actually mentioned the Cone of Shame uh, right. uh, as well. Um, so, so what was happening was the the dog was constantly putting its foot in its mouth, and so its owner was trying to eliminate that behaviour by trying to use an Elizabethan collar. Um, it was really interesting because in in it you could see um, portrayed quite interestingly that the the dog became then quite reclusive and was you know because it was knocking things around the house and you know it seemed like it was 
it just couldn't interact normally. So it ended up just going and sitting by itself and it didn't want to play with the other dogs. Um, the thing that was then really interesting was that the, the other dogs actually realized that they could use the Elizabethan collar that was on that, um, on that one dog as, as part of their imaginative game. So they turned it into a wedding dress and a traffic cone and a, and a sunflower. Um, and and it, it actually got to the point where it did help this little puppy stop from putting its foot in its mouth um, to the point where, you know, she conditioned herself to when she was going back to the house, she actually put her foot back in her mouth. So she'd get the cone back on because of all the fun that she was having with it. Now, wow. um, so this was actually um, an episode of Bluey. Called Muffin Muffin Cone. So, you know, for, for those that don't know, check out Bluey, right? It's a it's an Australian cartoon that is um my kids are going absolutely gangbusters, right? Like it, it is it is just in the preschooly, um, you know, really early primary schooling. It is it is by far the the most popular Australian TV show going around, but it is it's it's funny and it is terrific. And they're only little seven seven minute sessions, and I'm sitting there trying to scour through the internet, trying to find what am I going to talk about today. <laughs> uh, up comes you know, a, a little muffin sitting in the back seat sucking her thumb, and the mum says, "Muffin, if you're going to suck your thumb, I've got to put the cone on." I got what you know and so then she turns up to bluey's house with the cone on her, on her face and she goes, muffin you want to play i don't want to play i hate this cone and then she's uh, gone and gone and sat up by herself oh i lost you you know what i could swindle this into five minutes of uh you know five minutes of rambling so oh am i back very good now you're back, back you're, good. you're good you're good yeah oh that's interesting i thought yeah. it was actually while, while so, you were talking about that I was um I was actually good because there was an interesting study done by Anne Fawcett out of Sydney Uni about the the, yeah. the cone of shame making pets miserable, um, and she right. actually did a yes. study looking at the pet's behaviour with with and without the cone and found that the you know a lot of you know dogs and cats had difficulty drinking they were, were unable to play it caused a lot of injuries mm. like itching irritation bumping into walls falling downstairs physiological distress. Um, the other problems mm. like trouble going to the toilet, grooming, uh, couldn't get a harness or lead on them, getting through a cat door or a dog door, sleeping in their crate, you know, navigating without smashing the doorways. There are lots of problems sort of found with it, which, which we do, we do know of, um, but it's sort of yes. something often, often, you know, we don't, we don't recommend it lightly. It's, it's really about a, a to getting them to heal and, and improve as quickly as possible. But interesting that it's come into the, uh, into the kids cartoon section now. It was brilliant. I was just watching it. Just go, oh, this is gold. This is exactly what I need. So, um, uh, so, so yeah, check, check Bluey out. If you've got young kids or even if you just want, it's a, it is a really, really well done um, TV show. So anyway, Muffin Cone. That was, uh, so, that, so that's, that's my contribution of what's been happening in the news. <laughs> Fantastic. Very good, mate. Very good. No, good stuff. Well, um, we might get a disclaimer. What do you reckon? Absolutely. All there. advice on the show is generally, Hello? Yes. All advice on this show is general in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. Do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Let us know if we've missed anything or if you need any clarifications or if you want to try and remember what episode of Bluey that you should watch. <laughs> Very good, mate. All right, well, we might take a short break. I might go and watch that Bluey episode and we'll be back after the break. Hey. 
Hey, Robbie, I'd love to give a shout-out to our friends at PetSure for their awesome free webinar series. Yeah, man, I heard about those. Aren't they called Pause and Learn, as in (laughs) P-A-W-S? I see what you did there. Oh, mate, there's nothing like a good acronym. It got your attention. (laughs) It certainly did, mate. But seriously, the PetSure webinars cover some amazing topics, though. They sure do. There's one on COVID-19 and pets, very topical, and essential viewing for all concerned pet parents in this COVID-19 world. Indeed, mate, and for vets as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's also another one called Setting Up Your New Pet for Success. And here's one that's really important, Helping Pets Avoid Separation Anxiety. That'd be right in your wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, love that. Anything on behaviour, that's absolute gold. Oh, mate, it's all gold, gold, gold for PetSure here. And you know they're presented by PetSure's Chief Vet, Dr. Danny Hulhan, friend of the podcast, and also, they have a range of other pet experts for each topic, so you know you're getting the good stuff. Oh, mate, that sounds great. So to learn more about these webinars or to register, visit petsure.com.au slash webinars. Registration is free, but spots are limited, and since we've just registered, two less. So make sure you secure your spot today. Oh, T's and C's apply. Visit petsure.com.au for more information. <laughs> Okay, rightio's all thank you. We're back. We're back from that little break. Now, Lewis, I believe that you've got uh, something about uh, Burmese cats and diabetes. Yeah, this was um, this was a press release I saw from the Diabetes Research uh, uh, from Western Australia, I think it was. Came through Carolyn Zem- Zembrano, who's a pet journalist. Uh, so ah. thank you, Carolyn, for for uh, the, the the heads up on this. Research reveals Australian Burmese cats have higher diabetes risk. Now, I mean, we'd need, we didn't necessarily need research to know it as vets, mate, do we? I mean, mm. this is something we see commonly. We do know Burmese are very prone um, to, to getting diabetes. Um, and and well also known probably, in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and also dental disease too, if we, yes, we lump absolutely. it together. They get horrible yes. teeth too. I wonder if that's linked. Anyway, so Western Australian diabetes researchers have the first time discovered six genes that put Australian Burmese cats at high risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Professor Grant Morahan from WA Centre for Diabetes Research, which is supported by charity Diabetes Research WA, said Australian Burmese cats were significantly more likely to develop type 2 diabetes than other cat breeds. Burmese cats in Australia are more at risk of type 2 diabetes than American Burmese cats or other cat Mm. breeds in Australia. They were bred from only a few founder cats brought here in the 1960s, which by chance had more type 2 diabetes successful stability genes than usual the prof said our eight-year research project investigating the genetic makeup of these cats has discovered six genes that are overrepresented in australian burmese cats with type 2 diabetes and some of these genes are also involved in human diabetes every paves the way for vets to be able to arrange genetic testing and work with owners to help prevent high-risk cats from developing the condition cat breeders can also use the information to breed low-risk cats Cats with type 2 diabetes tend to develop it later in their lives and experience health impacts similar to humans with the condition. So type 2 diabetes in cats often needs um, insulin um, as, as part of the treatment. Symptoms include inadequate insulin secretion and impaired insulin action, and they're most, more at risk of obesity and physical inactivity. Now, knowing if a cat is at high risk allows vets and owners to pay closer attention to early intervention strategies such as weight control 
and diet changes and medication can also be introduced if needed, but until now it hasn't often been used because of the difficulty in identifying at-risk pre-diabetic cats. Further, general dietary and body weight recommendations for cats aren't always adopted by owners, but may have increased uptake if owners know their cat is genetically at risk. Yeah. Those, are, those are really good points. This is important as we know um, early diagnosis of diabetes and quick implementation of tight blood sugar control can lead to remission rates in more than 80% of cases compared to 30 to 40% if tight blood sugar, blood sugar control is delayed. And that's certainly our experience in, in practice, mate, isn't it? That uh, if you identify them early and you get them onto a specific foods, a prescription diets that we have, you know, get their weight down, um, often you can put them into, into remissions for certainly an extended period of time and Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, which is which is amazing. Certainly, certainly some advancements in in treating it in the last five or six years, or even ten years. Breeders may also be able to use this discovery to reduce the breed's risk of developing type two diabetes, which is a great advance. More than 100 Australian Burmese cats are involved in the project with their genetic information compared to the genetic information of 84 American Burmese cats. The project was done in conjunction with Carolyn O'Leary from the University of Queensland, Dr. Morahan Centre for Diabetes Research colleague, Dr. Louise Bulmer and US scientists. Diabetes Research WA based at Royal Perth Hospital was established in 1976 to stimulate research into diabetes in Western Australia. Yeah. Uh, one thing that would be very interesting on that is that, you know, ad admittedly, yeah, we know that Burmese are uh, uh, much more at risk here in Australia. And so now they've identified um, potentially causative genes would be, or is that something, you know, looking to see do other cats that have diabetes, so your domestic shorthairs that have diabetes, do they have those same genes that are, um, that are uh, upregulated? Because that could be a thing in, overweight adult uh, older cats almost like as a screening thing at seven to eight years of age and saying okay right well now as you know now we can do these genetic tests to see whether or not your cat's going to be at risk of diabetes you're overweight and you're feeding them you know they're not exercising much yes they're going to be at risk of of diabetes but if we've got objective evidence to say your cat has four of the six genes that are going to increase the risk of diabetes that could actually be quite quite important from a, um, a counselling point of view for us with our uh, even not, not even non-Burmese owned cats. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, interesting potential there, mate. Definitely. I think so. Um, I, I sort of, I sort of wonder how much of a difference it will make though, because uh, every day our, the doctors in our society tell us that we, we're at risk of getting diabetes and, uh, mm, and, yeah. and all sorts of things. If we don't diet and exercise and don't put on weight, but uh, I'm not sure that's going so well in the community as a whole, but it's good. I do like it that, you know, to have a, have a marker there that, that we can say, yes, your cat is definitely one of these at risk ones, not just your cat might, uh, might be one of those ones that gets diabetes, you know, to be able to say pinpoint it. Yeah. Certainly for those really conscientious owners, definitely really, really good. Yeah. Mm. So there we go. As you brush the mozzies and uh, flies away, they're made out in the Australian countryside. Uh, one, one, of my, one of my mother in law's cats is just you know, just slowly walking over, and then I, I I went to say something, and she just took off at a hundred miles an hour, just a fifty meter dash into the bush. <laughs> and, and so it was disconcerting. I mean, you saw a koala with pu puffy eyes. She probably thought anyway, you were a koala, mate. Those puffy morning eyes you've got. She's she's like, that's definitely a koala sitting there outside. It's all, it's all, it's under all the gum trees. It's my exam fever dreams, mate. That's all. I've got to try and get some of that zilkeen into me. Hey, That's now what gave we, you um, the puffy eyes. No worries.
Yeah. Uh, now we've uh, we are, we said last week. Yes, uh, we said last week that we've got a um, a specialist coming on in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, Philip Moses, who's a specialist surgeon from up in Queensland. He is he is the guru when it comes to brachycephalic dogs. So um, we're really really lucky to have uh, to have Philip Moses um, coming onto the show. So if you've got questions about um, about brachycephalics or you've wanted to know about things about dogs with no noses send us through the questions send us through philip's happy to answer some of the questions so um send them to us at two vets talk pets at gmail.com um you can find us at patreon patreon.com search for two vets talk pets find us on instagram you know lewis might put another vomiting dog on tiktok or something like that if he feels the need you know i might put a koala with chlamydia on there um you know Otherwise, uh, yeah. Or afraid of yourself, yeah. No, it, um, yeah, the, the brachycephalic, you know, if you've got breathing breathing things, they have problems with breathing, they have problems with their back, all sorts of things. What, anything you want to talk about, those pugs, uh, Frenchies, um, you know, yep, yep, any of those dogs, will have, yeah, he'll, he'll answer all your questions. So hit us up. And uh, I think Robbie's, uh, Robbie's phone is about to go flat, so we might scratch you later. I'm down to 2%. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at Vet Behaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle. <laughs>